1: welcome back thursday edition sports with coleman as we go until 10 p.m here in the charm city and we welcome back pam shriver to the program we want to welcome her back to the u.s i know she's busy with her family but taking some time to join the show and pam we'll talk wimbledon but how about those orioles 10 straight wins hasn't happened since i think you were holding your annual charity tennis event here and by the way, I spoke with Brady Anderson last night, our mutual friend, and he sends his best. I know you see him every once in a while.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it's exciting on all sports fronts at the moment, especially, as you mentioned, what's, uh I just love when um, young athletes who are motivated come together as a team and then sort of exceed expectations and let's just hopefully they can ride this out the rest of the season. Why not, right?
1: Yeah, why not? Well, we had that season back in 1989 when you were just coming up into your own. But, uh, man, it's been since 1999 since they won 10 straight. So let's keep it going until the All-Star break and then continue from there. Uh, Wimbledon, wow. Novak Djokovic certainly showed his composure, Pam. Uh, Nick Kyrgios lost his. Let's start there. Uh, Kyrgios, whether it be with the fans or his friends and family in his box, I have never seen a player that distracted, on such a big stage, Pam, I'm not sure how much those antics help him throughout his career and maybe in the future. And maybe he learned something there last Sunday.
0: Well, that's kind of been the way he's been, um, throughout his career. He's not really met his potential, but he certainly was motivated at Wimbledon. I think it all started by when he won the, um, Australian Open men's doubles and was such a sensation with his Australian partner, he kind of got a sniff of what it's like to succeed at a major. But, you know, you can't work part-time at it, especially in singles. And, you know, he's got a different, he definitely has a little bit of like neurodiversity brain, whether it's ADHD, who knows? I don't want to start throwing out stuff, but he's got something going on. And he also has a really kind heart. It's just sometimes when he's out there, you know, in the field of play, he just loses it, and he doesn't have a coach, you know, sitting beside him or teammates beside him. He's just out there alone, so it sort of exposes when he kind of loses his uh, focus and he starts to scream. It's like it's really uneasy, especially on center court Wimbledon. My goodness.
1: but It is It, is it, was, it
0: was an intriguing Wimbledon for a lot of reasons.
1: Oh, yeah, nah, absolutely. He makes it interesting, and I thought it was going to go five sets until he fell apart there in the fourth. But what's a penalty, by the way, for wearing a red hat at Wimbledon when the, you know, the coat is all white?
0: Yeah, he didn't wear it during play, but he kind of like it, – it's like a teenager, right? Even though he's in his mid to late 20s now, always pushing the limits, tr- just in kind of needling and tweaking – so he was doing this little tweak of the club. He changed from his white tennis shoes into like colored train, um you know, running shoes or training shoes and put on the red hat. And he wasn't supposed to. But Wimbledon, given everything going on, they weren't going to make a huge deal of it. Um, but, you know, this is the way some people are.
1: Yeah, that is the way he is. We'll see if he changes. Speaking with Pam Shriver here on Sports with Coleman. So Novak still one major behind Rafael Nadal for now. Do you consider Novak the greatest ever, or are we still waiting for this thing to play out? There's so many variables, obviously.
0: Yeah, we're waiting it to play out. We're waiting. I think Novak's in the driver's seat, I'd say, based on um, his age, the fact that he's really the best. Between Rafa, I think Roger's done. I don't think Roger's going to add to 20. The best we can hope for is that Roger Federer comes back and competes and rehabs his knee and, you know, in his early 40s. But I cannot see how he can win seven three out of five matches to get to 21. So the race gets down to Rafa, who's ahead by one, but who's really struggling physically more and more. And then you have Novak who as you saw in the finals the other day against curios is literally as fast as he's ever been he's covering court brilliantly but he's got some obstacles he doesn't he didn't want to get vaccinated which meant he couldn't play australia at this point he can't get into the u.s as a non-u.s citizen who's not vaccinated whether or not that changes i don't know he was also deported from australia last year during that uh i mean during well it started sort of the end of last year but um you know january of this year so whether or not the australian government waives their deportation rule which basically says three years before you can come back i think they will waive it but there's a possibility he might not play another major till next may Mm. so there are the variables you mentioned it's a crazy time in tennis obviously trying to put on an international global sport during a global pandemic is a lot more complicated than you know major league baseball that bounces you know between toronto and the united states um so it's been it's been tough
1: yeah he seemed resigned to the fact that he wasn't going to be allowed to play at the u.s open we'll see if they change uh you suspect that australia will lighten things up because three years is a long time as you know pam
0: yeah and they also had a government change they um their prime minister scott morrison who was at the helm when the debacle with novak came up in january and it was really it was a combination of everything. It was like parts of the government weren't speaking to each other. Parts of the government said yes to Novak when really it was border. It was it was the customs and border control, right? So you can't another arm of the government can't approve something that's not in their jurisdiction. So it got all messy. Novak actually got down there, and then it just had two different court cases in about a week period, and then he had to be he was deported. It was one of the more embarrassing things that tennis is. And then, it, to the credit, of, it shows you where sports goes. Once the first ball was struck at the Australian Open, the first major of the year, honestly, it was business as usual and um, we ended up being a great first major of the year. And, you know, now we've had three really intriguing majors. Um, and you've got Rafa at 22, Novak now at 21. But I still think that given Novak's age and that he can win on all surfaces pretty much equally – Obviously, the French Open's been tough because of Rafa, but he still won it, won a couple. Um, he looks like to me the one that's going to finish on top.
1: Well, I do follow you on Twitter. I saw you post several pictures of Roger Federer over there at Wimbledon. He didn't make an appearance. He looked great in his suit, but I guess oh, you already goodness. you already he talked did. about his health.
0: <laughs> yeah, he he. First off, that ceremony, you know, uh, I tell you, the, the British know how to do beautiful ceremonies. They've had hundreds and hundreds of years of practice that celebration of 100 years of center court was outstanding um one of the really unfortunate situations <clears throat> is that martina navratilova was supposed to come out last right after roger federer at 8 then it was going to be martina at 9 she tested positive to covid that morning so she 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 did the right thing she went immediately to isolate in her flat and she missed really what would have been one of the biggest celebrations of her accomplishments at mm-hmm. Wimbledon, but you know it was a amazing last person still to be called, Roger Federer, and he it was outstanding that he flew in that morning from Switzerland. His close friend, his agent, Tony Godsick and Mary Jo Fernandez, who's my colleague for ESPN, their son was in the junior event, and they've been so close through the years, so Roger was actually able to watch Nico Godsick play a junior Wimbledon match, which yeah, I think for Roger to have known Nico since he was born and then to see him play. A match at Wimbledon was kind of cool. So um, Roger made the most of his day there. Let's just hope next year he can play something, whether it's doubles, mixed doubles, or he tries to play singles. We'll see.
1: All right, we got a few moments remaining with Baltimore's own Pam Shriver, and and you're right, the Brits do it better than anyone in terms of tradition and celebrations. Uh, Back to America, though, and Taylor Fritz, who made it to the quarterfinals before Rafa took him out. Your opinion, is he currently the best male American player going?
0: I'd say based on winning Indian Wells and where his ranking is and his performance at Wimbledon, um, I'd say yes, but it's kind of crowded field, which is good. I mean, it... um, the most promising era of U.S. men uh, since prior, you know, since Andy Roddick and earlier. So we're talking for the last 20 years. Um, It's been a long drought, um, but they're pushing each other. But I would say Taylor Fritz is definitely number one at the moment. Um, Seb Korda has really bad stress fracture, so he's taken a little time off. He's seen as with great potential. His dad won the Australian Open. His mom played professional tennis. Actually, Taylor Fritz. Both parents, mom was a pro player, dad uh, a th- lifelong tennis coach and a good player. So a lot of these kids <laughs> are second
1: generation yeah, um, genes. tennis professionals. Yeah, very good genes. It sounds like as far as the females, yeah. yeah as far as the females go, I mean, Jessica Bagula is right up there. I don't know how good her parents are. I know they're very wealthy yeah. and own a couple of teams. But Coco's there. Someone else maybe uh, about to break through as far as women's American tennis. Um, well, I think Coco's the one. Obviously, most eyes have been on her, but I,
0: I love the way Pagula has progressed. Um, she hired Venus's Williams' old coach about three, four years ago, David Witt. They've worked really well together. Pagula's one. she's smart. She leaves nothing. She, you know, like she's the opposite of Nick Kyrgios, right? Nick Kyrgios, who's left so much of his potential just laying courtside untapped, whereas Pagula is leaving no stone unturned, and she's made it to the top ten. Danielle Collins is another street-fighting Floridian who got to the finals of the Australian Open this year. She's had some health issues, but she's also debuted in the top 10 this year. So, you know, the U.S. women are pretty good. Madison Key's got the semis of the Australian. It's just like people staying healthy. Um, It was inspiring seeing Serena, let's just say it. Wimbledon, with five weeks kind of notice, decided to try and get herself ready, and she almost won her first round. But it's tough at 40. Uh, You haven't played a match in a year. Um, but she, she almost, and then the gal she lost to ended up winning quite a few rounds. And so it was, it's was pretty interesting.
1: Next up for you and Serena, I guess, is the U S open or are you doing other tournaments before that? And do you expect well, Serena? Yeah, will be I was there? supposed
0: to work this, I was supposed to work this Saturday. I actually, for the first time, um, during this whole pandemic, I, I, at the very end of Womblin, I contracted the virus for the first time. So I'm, I, I told tennis channel, I, I didn't want, I couldn't work this Saturday I'm like in day four or five, really mild symptoms. Um, oh, we'll feel you know I'm better. just trying to stay away from my kids um, and not pass it along to anybody in my household, which teenage, I have three teenagers, so they don't mind avoiding me. They're happy with that. <laughs> um, but, but so at the moment, um, I'm, I'm scheduled next to work at the U.S. Open, um, and, and because I work French Open for Tennis channel it'll mean I'll be able to work all for the majors this year because uh, ESPN doesn't have um, Roland Garros. So there aren't that many commentators that get to work all four, so that's really fun at this point in my broadcasting career.
1: That is awesome. I'm sorry to hear about the COVID, but I guess the timing is kind of good in that you have some time to relax with the family in between majors.
0: Yeah, listen, I, I haven't left the house basically since I got home. And I watched like 10 hours of British Open golf today. And it kind of gives me an excuse, a good excuse to just lay low and, um, you know, get over this thing. Although I'm, I'm luckier than 95 percent given how little the symptoms are. But I keep testing positive every couple of days. So I'm staying away from
1: people. All right. Now you pique my curiosity since you are watching the, uh, the British Open. St. Andrews versus Wimbledon. I mean, when we talk about history... Uh, Both have great historical perspectives and uh, a lot of great moments. But, man, St. Andrews, I guess, goes back a little bit longer?
0: Yeah, it sure sure does. I mean, it's funny because Wimbledon just celebrated 100 years of center court, not 100 years of Wimbledon. Wimbledon had to move from a smaller – You know, so Wimbledon's been around since late 1800s. I don't have the exact year, but obviously 150. I love their logo. I like how they're advertising it, the messaging. Obviously, golf's got the biggest – crisis they've had in their sport and yes. they're trying to celebrate something special but yeah definitely um the old course is definitely more historic than wimbledon but it is kind of neat now wimbledon's moved a week later so they're back to back so there were a lot of uh sports writers who were doubling up on their um on their UK fun uh heading up north from uh SW19 which is the postcode of wimbledon up to uh, Scotland
1: well, that's a heck of a trip and uh, a way to spend a couple of weeks during your summer. Pam, I really appreciate hey, you Hey, tell me, uh,
0: if you can, just give me, because I'm a little out of touch. Why is it, do you think, the Orioles have caught fire the way they have? It's a combination of things?
1: It's the pitching right now has been outstanding. Their ERA is around two the last 10 games. That's the way it's gone, and they've had some very timely hitting, and they have mostly stayed injury-free, even though they lost John Means, for the most part, knock on wood, they have been healthy, and now they're above five hundred for the first time since nineteen ninety nine and Again, like we said at the top of the interview, hopefully they can keep it going, but you know it starts with the pitching,
0: yep, yep, it sure does and 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 the health i mean, I know that from from tennis and all sports is like you gotta you gotta have your players healthy. the fact that we're so young um and don't have a lot of you know. <laughs> 30 mid thirties. That's good. That's good. So I'm excited, you know, maybe it'll start a new era and uh,
1: we have good, good stuff ahead. We have our fingers collectively crossed and, and you feel well <laughs> and be well and uh, look forward to catching hey, up with you. you before the open. Okay. All, all the best. Right. And that would be the U S open folks, as opposed <laughs> yeah. to the one over in Britain, Pam Shriver. Thank you. There she goes. Pam Shriver from ESPN and the tennis channel joining us here on this Thursday edition of sports with Coleman.